As always, I am your host, Mary Beth Smith, a.k.a. MBS. I am the titular character of my own podcast, and you can't take that away from me. Uh, Big week for MBSing. Um, It is my pleasure and delight and honor to announce that MBSing will uh, now exist under a podcasting network uh, that is being started by my sketch group, or the sketch group that I am a part of, uh, the Nerdalogs. Um, last week, my episode was with former Nerdalogs member Alex Talavera, and this week, here we are, starting a new Nerdalogs-produced endeavor. Uh, that doesn't really mean much for you, except that you should check out the other podcasts that are on the Nerdalogs network, uh, one of which... Uh, has been going for a while. I've mentioned it on the show before more than once. Um, that is Your Stories. It's a Nerdalogs event that's been going on for almost over two years now uh, that they turned into a podcast. It's a live event that gets recorded. And a very new podcast that uh, the first episode just dropped yesterday, uh, or plopped as, um, a favorite podcaster of mine, Doug Benson likes to say, uh, the Nerdalog cast. So, um, please check those out if you get a chance. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this new endeavor. It's, uh, it's something that the Nerdalogs toyed around with doing and I happened to be a member who already had an existing podcast, so it seemed like a no-brainer, at least, uh, that's what it seemed like to me. Anyway, uh, to kick off the partnership, the network, uh, I thought, or we really thought it would be appropriate to have Eric Garneau as my guest on this first episode that's being produced by the Nerdalogs. Um, as Eric Garneau is the host and sometimes curator and, uh, musical guest, I guess you can say of the Your Stories podcast, uh, as well as being a member of the Nerdalogs. Uh, he's such a great guy. I've really enjoyed getting to know him, um, over the last few months that I've been a member of the Nerdalogs, uh, and it's funny because from one of the first times that I ever hung out with Eric, uh, at least outside of rehearsal, I knew that he was a huge fan of his topic, Bruce Springsteen, uh, which is cool. So Eric and I got to chat about the boss for a while, and uh, he was very complimentary of my skills as a host, which I thought was unnecessary of him to say, but I appreciated it all the same. Uh, so thank you, Eric. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this with him and I hope you all enjoy it too. Uh, I am 
getting over a weird cold that my roommate gave me, so I apologize, or I assume my roommate gave it to me, not purposefully. We just spent a lot of time together. We didn't really take any into account not drinking after one another and things like that. This is getting unnecessary, but I just thought I would apologize for the quality of my voice currently. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is that this past weekend was Labor Day, and it was great. And Sunday night, I just kind of didn't do it. I caught up on Breaking Bad, finally. And then Monday was really nice. I ate a bunch of food and spent time with friends and went to see a really incredible show that was a part of the Chicago Fringe Festival that's going on in Jefferson Park uh, last weekend and this coming weekend. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a nice, I still kept myself really busy, partially with podcast recordings, but you gotta get them in when you can get them in. That's what I always say. That's the first time I've ever said that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about what we've got on deck. So, uh, I hope you all continue to enjoy it as well. Um, Oof, that was assuming that you're already enjoying it, which may or may not be true. The fact remains that I'll never know. I'll never know. Uh, anywho, uh, plugs. Why not get to some plugs? This Sunday, September 8th at 7 o'clock, the Nerdalogs have a sketch show. The Nerdalogs presents... 1993, in honor of the 20th anniversary of that year. Wrap your mind around that, audience. I am the director of the show, and I am anxious about its success. But I do think the content is quality. Come out and check that out. Maybe I shouldn't have been as honest about how I felt about it, but you know what? Honesty is the best policy. That really is something that they always say. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think there's some really fun stuff to be seen and heard. Otherwise, uh, my as I mentioned last week, my improv group, Reagan Reagan, is going to weekly Wednesday performances at 8 o'clock in the One Group Mind Theater starting September 18th. My Playground Team Squall has a show September 21st at 10 o'clock at the Playground. I enjoy plugging both of those shows because my parents will be in town for them, and it will be the first time that they ever see me perform long-form improv. Go parent visits. They sent me a package today that included an electronic dartboard, and six containers of homemade cookies. Because they're the best people in the world. You know who else is the best? Eric Garneau. You know who he thinks is the best? Bruce Springsteen. Let's get into his conversation. Thanks. Enjoy it. AC. <laughs> oh, if I lock her out, she's just going to cry. That's fine. I don't mind. <laughs> we became friends the first time I visited. <laughs> right, buddy? I see. Why don't you uh, introduce the show? 
No. <laughs> She's not into it. No. So I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. This isn't what I signed up for, but okay. <laughs> uh, I'm here today with my guest, Eric Garneau. Hey. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. I guess when you look at me, I'm supposed to say hello. <laughs> uh, Eric's going to be talking with me about his favorite musical artist. I'm assuming it's your favorite musical artist. Yes. <laughs> As I know, it's one of your favorite things. No, I general. actually hate the music and the art. Oh, I just, okay. No, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just wanted to talk about it yeah. for the sake of bashing it. Well, can I say when I, a long time ago, I wanted to organize like a uh, a Springsteen-centric Your Stories, and uh, Andrew Bentley was like, I'd love to do it. I love his politics. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Was he being sincere? No, he was, and I think that's perfectly valid, but also... That's not why I'm why here today. I to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So Eric's going to talk to us about Bruce Springsteen. Um, do you have a specific... Uh, his his dog, AC, is licking my hand. This has been for the past minute, probably. <laughs> She's not going to stop till she gets all that salt off. That's fine. It's like a... I'm like a human salt lick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have a specific, um, inception of your love for Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, um, I'm glad that you asked me that, because that was the one question I thought you would ask. Um, I do. I told you I would guide you. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you don't take direction well. It kind of, uh, it kind of went in stages. Uh, stage one was in high school, I joined, like, one of those Columbia Record Club deals where it's, like, you get 13 CDs for a penny, Uh and I was just kind of trying to go down a list of, like, what are classic rock standbys, because at the time I was listening to 97.9 a lot, which is Chicago's big rock station, and I was, like, getting super into this idea of rock and... Mostly classic rock station, or, like... Yeah, classic and hair, and then they started playing, like, a little early 90s alternative, but not not much beyond that. Okay. And so, as a sophomore junior in high school, I'm, like starting to form this idea of rock and roll as a pantheon in my head, you know? <laughs> and so, obviously, you just kind of know culturally that Springsteen is a part of that pantheon. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll get Greatest Hits, and I'll get Born to Run, uh-huh. and I'll get Born in the USA. And I got them, and I'm like... Oh, Greatest Hits is cool. I heard a lot of these on the radio. Right. Born to Run's alright. I don't really like Born in the USA. Okay, that's good enough. But, like, <laughs> it was those those uh, records were in my collection for a long time, and always kind of in the back of my mind is something, like, I knew I should appreciate. Um, well, I guess one thing that's really sticking with me is I watched a lot of Rock and Roll Jeopardy on VH1, and I remember one of wow. the... Wow. I don't even know <laughs> if I remember that that existed. <laughs> yep. One of the final Jeopardy questions was uh, the famous quote about uh, what uh, when rock critic so-and-so, I don't even remember the critic, wrote, uh, I have seen the future of music and his name is blank. Uh, it was Bruce Springsteen. Sure. And that always stuck in my head. I'm like, oh, I don't At get it. At some point, people thought that he was the future. Yeah. Uh, it was 1975, which, I mean, I'm kind of divorced wow. from that context. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get it, but I felt I owed it to Rock, capital mm-hmm. R, to keep going with it. Checking him back out. Yeah. Uh, so I would pick up albums here and there that I enjoyed, but I I liked it more just as rock music, and I gravitated more towards like 
songs that did rock, and I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics or anything. That's interesting, especially because I know in talking to you about it in the past that you do really relate to the lyrics. I do. Uh, yeah. Well, what what switched it for me was one day I was, uh, this is after I graduated college, I was driving back, possibly to go to a party at Eric Siegel's place, because nice. he was so at Shout college. Out. Yeah. Uh, hey, Eric. He's in town right now. Yes, that's true. He just flew in today, I think. And boy, are my jokes tired. Whoa. Boy, I gotta go. <laughs> Speaking of tired jokes, I'm gonna use that bit that I use all the time. Oh, boy. Um, so I had like two hours in a car, and I had picked up from my buddy Brian the Live from New York City album that was recorded in 2001. I listened to it a few times, I'm like, I'm gonna listen to this. Was it 9-11? No, it was pre-9-11, it was recorded in 2000. Uh, oh, okay. Released, I think, early 2001, maybe even in 2000. It was recorded on the East Street Reunion Tour. Um, yeah, none of there was no 9-11 context here. But it's just like, this is about two hours long, and it's good driving tunes, I'm going to put it on. And something over that two hours it took me to get from Munster, Indiana to Champaign, Illinois, was like, I felt the emotion for some reason. Like, I in this, it's not even a whole concert, it's like two-thirds of a concert, but... From when I got into the car to when I got out of it, I felt like I had, like, experienced something. Like, cool. the the gamut of emotions that he runs, even in two-thirds of a set, was like, that he was wow. born to run, oh, oh, boy. That's really cool. I'm sorry I belittled it with a really <laughs> terrible joke. As you should be. Uh, that's awesome. Do you think it had... So you do obviously think it had something to do with, like you said, the gamut of emotions during the concert. Uh, do you think you would have felt similarly if it had just been some sort of set list or playlist that wasn't necessarily all one like concert? No, that's a really good question. I don't think so. I, I think that his shows are very meticulously structured to ride this kind of audience wave uh, and manipulate it, you know, but also channel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, there's something about just that that one live record that uh, I think it was structured in a way that really connected with me, and I don't know why in the, like, ten times I listened to the album before, it, it hadn't done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about just where I was in my life and, and listening to that record that was like, yeah, I get it. That's really cool. I think, uh, I think music, almost more than anything else, than any other, like, art form even, uh, really... Uh, uh, maybe it's just um, you and I, but I think other people would relate to this. Uh, really, like, asso- is associated with when you hear it and when you connect to it. Yeah. And, uh, like, emotionally and memory-wise, I think we can all relate to that on some level. Uh, and and it, it makes you... I mean, there are terrible songs that I associate with, like, my college experience... That when I hear it, I still get incredibly happy. Like like a black eyed piece, I got a feeling <laughs> was really popular in my senior year of college. Oh boy, you're so young. Uh, I am <laughs> younger than you. Uh, 
truth. And we would listen to it before every... We'd listen to it before, like, every improv show we did. We listened to it before shows that we did in the theater. Just, it, for some reason, it became the anthem of the theater department. In a, in, I think it started in an ironic way. And then it just became sincere because we were like, lift up my cup, drink, <laughs> mazel tov, or whatever the fuck they say. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's a, not a good example as far as actual musical quality, but... Um, well, but that, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I don't remember what book this is in, but uh, in one of Chuck Klosterman's many wonderful books about music, he has this one line, I don't even remember the chapter, but it's, I think it's after, as he does, talking about a failed relationship and how he relates it to the music he was listening to at the time. He says, like, artists who think they have any control over what people feel when they listen to their works are kidding themselves. Huh. And I, I think, like, I mean, he's obviously overstating a point to be dramatic, but right. there is definitely truth to that. There's like, um, it happens a lot with romance for me. My vertical horizon will forever be a breakup band uh. for me. Because <laughs> the first time I ever... Like felt true heartache. I bought their album, and like it was, I was like twelve or thirteen. Like, yeah, every song on here is about me. Oh my gosh! Um, what's that? What's their biggest hit? Uh, uh, everything you want. Yeah, it sounds like Christian She's REM. Everything you want. It's neither Christian nor R.E.M., but it sounds like both. And you were just like 13, saying like, she was everything inside of me that I wish I could do. No, because because, uh, it's he's everything you want, and then the last chorus he goes, I'm everything you want. So clearly he's... He's singing about himself the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I was like, this guy gets it, man. Um, weird, and I mean, I don't want to bring it down, but just an example I was thinking about today with, um, Van Halen's 5150 and with Mr. Show was what I listened to and watched the week my grandmother died, and I will never not make that association out. Anytime I hear the Mr. Show theme, like, that's where I go, and I know that's not what the show's about, and it's not in, like, in a morose way, but that's, that's just the connection I make. So, yeah, absolutely, music is, I feel like it's so connected to... Your emotions. It's almost like how smells trigger memory. Yeah, I, yeah. I think sounds do for me. Don't they say that... Is, don't they say smell is one of the most uh, strong... The strongest sense tied to memory? They do, and I maybe I'm just wired differently. I don't know that I I've ever... Me. I don't know I've, that I've ever felt that way either. Uh, what was I... Do you, did you have a context for Mr. Show and Van Halen before that happened? Um, my context for 5150, the album, was the Power Rangers movie, because that was yeah. the first place I ever heard Van Halen. Uh, my context for Mr. 2000? 2000? No, Power Rangers movie was like oh, 96 like or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so back then it wasn't even that far removed from Van Halen, but I was yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Uh, the song cool. Dreams is on there. And then, uh, Mr. Show, my, I had never seen it before, so my context was Andrew Bentley and Alex Talvera saying... This is the funniest sketch show ever. Gotcha. I, I was just curious because I knew that you were. A, you, I knew that you're a fan of Mr. Show, so I was curious to know if that actually was the first time you had watched it or not, or if it was one of those things where like that's the context you have for it, even though you have a, a previous history with it. So the question is, can new strong memories override old associations? Correct. I feel like they can. I I don't have any evidence of that, mm-hmm. but I will say, like, 
I've new experiences experiences have buffered old associations. Oh, uh, that's like, a really good way to put it. Uh, to bring it back to Springsteen, I remember I was on a uh, a trip with my buddy Craig. This was while I was in college, and he was a much bigger Springsteen fan than I. But and I'll, I at the time I still I think only had the three records, and he put on the greatest hits and. We're listening to Thunder Roll, Road rolling down I-57, and when it gets to the part, roll down the windows and let your wind blow, let the wind blow back your hair. He and I both hit, just roll down the windows, which I I hate doing windows on interstates, but yeah. for like the back end of that song, I'm like, this is what we got to do, and it was this such a cool, yeah. yeah, it was a cool moment of friendship, and I look back on it now, and like my new appreciation for Springsteen has given me a better uh, feel for that memory. I That's guess. cool. I like that a lot. Um, do you, since you mentioned Thunder Road, I know that's one of your favorite tracks. It is. Do you want to unpack that at all? Uh, unpack Thunder Road. Sure. It is my favorite. My favorite that's song. That's what I thought. Song, my I, did, I, song. Didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that without being positive, but I was pretty sure. Yeah, it is. Um, it's all in the line. I think this is the ultimate Springsteen line. I know it's late, but we can make it if we run. Uh, I feel like Springsteen's narrators are almost always lying to themselves. I think that the speaker of that song knows that they won't make it. Um, But the fact that he needs this person he loves to believe it so hard that they will, or that they could, is like exactly what I love about that music. Uh, And it's kind of a lesson I've tried to incorporate into my own life. That's awesome. You also uh, performed that song really well, if I may. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, to uh, share with the listeners. And I'll, uh, I'll link that uh, episode of Your Stories, if you don't mind. Um, I don't. Eric uh, added Your Stories two months ago? It was in April. No, it was in May, so okay. three months ago. Three months ago. Um, was inspired... Uh, because he hadn't previously planned to do it. Uh, was that during the journeys? It was during journey, yes. Uh, so journey, that would make sense that it was May. Uh, journey was the theme of your stories, uh, after more than one, uh, storyteller, uh, did song, um, did songs, um, told stories about, uh, their, uh, parents and their families and going through some, uh, Hard times where that's concerned with loss. Uh, Eric was inspired to um, perform Thunder Road kind of as a response to that. And yes. It's your own. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. Uh, put anybody on the spot but I think I've said this to her and I said it live so I think she'll understand it was such like a a bomb dropped on the room like it was so so awesome and 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 serious and emotional that like I just couldn't make anyone else go Mm -hmm. up after that so as the host I'm like okay I need to address this yeah but as as an audience member I would have been really it would have been (laughs) difficult for me to mentally take something else after that because uh, I was, like, wiping away tears. <laughs> right. So it it kind of started with me addressing a similar topic about what I had been, what had been happening with my family over the past few months and turned into my, uh, what I thought would bring it up with the performance of Thunder Road, which, I mean, I don't want to say it's been, like, my mantra this year, but it definitely 
uh, has had emotional resonance with what sure. I've been doing. Uh, that last line, you know, it's a town full of losers and we're pulling out of here to win. I just moved to the city from the suburbs at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to disparage my suburban friends, I don't actually think they're losers. But uh, that feeling of, like, leaving something worse for something better definitely was sure in me at that point. And uh, I, I can relate to that as well having moved to Chicago from a very small town, uh, essentially a, barely a suburb in South Carolina. Uh, Lancaster tries to claim being a suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina, but it's it's not. <laughs> it's, it's just a shitty small town. So I also uh, really appreciate that and really appreciated your performance. Um, Thanks. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad. I think it's cool that this song has that much resonance for you um i was going to mention this earlier and i'll do it now uh in the in the in the vein of um experiencing something that uh furthers the depth of your appreciation for a song not necessarily the first time you hear it and the only thing that you associate it with um but i have a song that uh is by one of my favorite musical artists as I mentioned on the uh, No Effects podcast with uh, Nick Johnson, uh, it's by Jason Mraz. Um, <laughs> it's a song called Sleeping D- to Dream. And it's a song that, as far as I know, he's only ever performed live. Um, but uh, my friends in high school knew that it was my favorite song, if not one of my favorite songs. And um, when I won prom queen at my math and science high school and became queen of the nerds uh the my friends um who were djing played that song so i always i i always very strongly associated it with high with my late high school experience in general um but then it just had this like very visceral uh, association with that experience and, and with the culmination of my high school experience uh, cut to like three years later, uh, when I went on study abroad, I turned my uh, study abroad roommate on to that song, um, and uh, to Jason Mraz in general, and we would listen to it before we went to bed because it's literally called "Sleeping to Dream." And uh, she said that she would never hear that song without thinking of the trip, and I was just like, "Nope, not yeah, me." <laughs> That's my prom song. Yeah. So now I I think it's like the the progression of when you do have a love for something, especially music. I think the new experiences that you have with it are always interesting to me, anyway, or have been in the past. Uh, so I feel like not to put words in your mouth. I feel like you may have a similar. Um, oh yeah, experience. definitely. I mean. I guess it just depends on the gravity of a new experience and whether or not it can overwrite. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it's just case by case, but for sure it's uh, it's hard to remove those impressions, you know. Mm-hmm. Had you ever performed that live before? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I actually used to, this is weird, but definitely need to mention it, I used to do a one-man Springsteen tribute. Called, no way! I did, called My Own Boss, which is funny because I don't look or sound like and I used to get like like corporate offers from like the Whole Foods corporate headquarters like hey can we pay you $3,000 to come do a concert and I'm like 
you can, you need to understand that I am not an impersonator. I am just an interpreter. How, how did they find out who you were? I, I was just on different websites like um, Gig Salad and Gig Sonic Salad. Bids. Yeah, very, very useful for performers out there. Um, and I'd always email them, you know. I, you know, I can, but this is what you need to know about me, and they never got back to me. Really? But I did make a few grand doing that, and then That's I, so cool! Mm-hmm. How long ago was this? Uh, it was 2010. I decided it was kind of ludicrous, because why on earth would anybody hire me to do that, even though people did? So, but what is interesting is I did not often perform Thunder Road. It would be huh. by request only, because I tried, even though it was just a solo show, I tried to make those a little more, like, fun- uh-huh. You know, and like I, I consider that more of like a serious song. So people had to really want it. There's to merit it. to that, I think. Um, you mentioned uh, th- again. This is something I almost brought up earlier. Uh, but in mentioning, uh, you know, the first time you listened to that uh, live album um, from New York, uh, uh, another previous guest of the show, Ryan Ben. Uh, has told me on multiple occasions that his experience seeing Bruce Springsteen live at Wrigley Field is was one of the greatest experiences of his life. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you seen him live? Yep. Uh, three, four times. Awesome. Uh, I saw him the first night at Wrigley last year, and that's such a an interesting uh, night for me because... It started out being one of the worst nights of my life. Like, I uh, got pickpocketed, which had never happened before. So I'm on a crowded-ass train going to the Addison stop. And, you know, on the train, like... Literally right before the show. Literally right before the show. I'm like, this guy is getting kind of close to me. And then I step off the train. It's like, oh, that's why. So no wallet. Uh, Cell phone down to, like, 20%. I have to call every credit card number I can find on the internet with my no battery and be like, hey cancel it. Had my grandmother's credit cards at the time, so I had to call oh, those. No. They wouldn't cancel because they uh, wasn't she wasn't her. there. So all they could do was suspend till the next day when I had to explain to my almost deaf grandmother that I got pickpocketed, which she's already like super paranoid about me doing right. anything in Chicago. Right. So yeah, phone almost dies. Um, my buddy Craig, uh-huh. third appearance in my discussion, <laughs> was driving up from Spring- Springfield to go to the show with me. He had the tickets. Show started at 7.30, it was 7.45, and he wasn't there. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, so I'm standing on the... And we're like, oh, we'll just meet by the statue at Wrigley. The There's statue! Four. So I'm standing at the... What would be the southeast corner of Wrigley Field. And it's like 45 minutes past Is the show the start time. Harry Carey statue? Yes. Show hasn't started Boom, yet. Boom, baby! That's an encyclopedia of knowledge nice. up there. <laughs> show hasn't started yet, somehow. Craig shows up at like... 8.20 for a 7.30 show. We managed to get our tickets, get in, 8.45, still hasn't started. It starts at like 9.15 because Springsteen got caught in his own traffic. Oh my so god. So what, what, I, I almost, like waiting for Craig, I was almost like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go home, I have so many phone calls to make, I'm so oh, done no. with today. But then I, finally the show starts and I'm like, I got, like it was, it ended up being one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing I've ever seen in concert is Springsteen and Eddie Vedder singing Atlantic City together. I've been looking for a job, but it's hard to find. Now there's just winners and losers that don't get caught on the wrong side. I'm tired of coming out on that losing man. So hey, last night I'm at the sky and I'm going to do a little thing for him. 
Too, the next night so the one song I didn't play Friday night that I really wanted to hear was Because the Night uh, the next night the Nerdlogs had a show at I.O. I was walking to I.O. and I can hear just one song as I'm walking there uh, and it's Because the Night no way yeah. that's awesome yeah. so it worked out nicely and you were just like Thank you, Nerdalogs, yeah. for having this. Was that during the Friday Night Midnight Run? It, uh, no, it was. Um, we were doing a bit at uh, Saturday Saturday. Oh yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. And the, is that Jamie Caesar who runs that? Oh uh, yeah, he's yeah. one of the people. It's so, Caesar Jamie. Caesar Jamie. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'll I, never I, listen to I, this. <laughs> fair enough. I've probably seen his name, Caesar comma no Jamie comma Caesar. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I was like. After run through before call, I was like, I just want to stand on the balcony and listen to this show. And he's like, You saw it last night. How much, like, how different is the show tonight? And I looked at him. I'm like, Dude, I actually pulled out my phone. I I looked at two back to back sets and I did the math. Fifty eight percent difference between two sets. He never plays the same show 58% twice. Fifty eight percent song. New difference? song. Yeah, that's he never awesome. ever plays the same so, same, ugh, Man, that's same show cool. twice. Uh, Caesar Jamie doesn't know. <laughs> Neither does Jamie Caesar. Neither does Jamie Caesar. Talk about the um, academic conference that you went to. Yeah, so about a week after that, I... Uh, oh, I didn't realize it was uh, yeah, around the same time. It was a very Springsteen-y couple of weeks. Cool. I, I went to an academic conference at Monmouth University in New Jersey called the Glory Days Conference, uh, <laughs> where I presented a paper uh, called... Hold on, let me actually... if you the title. Yeah, give sure. me just... Vamping, 20 seconds. I'm vamping. Uh, I I don't. I'm I'm probably gonna go to some academic conferences through um, my new job. Uh, there's a conference in Chicago called PitCon. It's all uh, scientific stuff. Oh, it's about Pittsburgh. Uh, nope. Oh. Uh, I don't know why it's called Pit PitCon. I think uh, because it always takes place in, in Chicago. Oh, that makes So I literally cool. don't know why it's called PitCon. My paper was called. We take care of our own. Shifting pronouns and Springsteen's move to folk troubadour. Uh, it was all about how this, uh, on his last album, Wrecking Ball, he, so if you know anything about Springsteen, you know his early songs are very kind of, very personal, and they have very Byzantine character names, and they're very unique stories, and this last album is super the other direction, it's very much a man of the people, like, Literally every chorus but one has we as the subject. Uh, and so my argument was that... As opposed to I. I, yeah. Or as opposed to a third person. Um, okay. And my argument was that all of his work doing like Pete Seeger tributes and stuff and, and just kind of the current political landscape has has made, has changed his focus from this very specific first person to a very broad, like, third person America. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially interesting when you consider, I would think that, uh, in the grand scheme of things, his, uh, his everyman-ness was still there, you know, it, like, is consistent through both, uh, 
but through both the former and the latter, using the I and using the we. Correct, and that's something I, I addressed is that everyone, really since at least The River in 1980, but probably... Uh, that's born a around, Brooks song. Pro, mm, no. <laughs> probably Born to Run, probably Darkness. Uh, there is this idea that he's like a a man of the people. I mean, his blue-collar fascination really, truly started with the river, but there's there's shades of that before. And by the mid-'80s, he was entrenched as, like, the, you know, the, the working man's artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but only now is is the lyrical content of his music really speaking for those people instead of just to them. Interesting. I, uh, I, I actually have a friend, um, or... Uh, who in college uh, once told me um, that he that he Bruce Springsteen was one of the most widely liked really things like we weren't even just talking about music I don't think um, uh, things that he didn't care for and one of the biggest reasons he cited was you know what you're just discussing was that he felt like his uh, persona of an everyman and the uh, the idea that he portrays of like I'm just like you guys uh, really irked him because he was just like no you're not you're a multi-million dollar uh, you know a year performer probably uh, and, and you're not an everyman so uh, I, I think that's a really interesting concept that you can speak to if you want to I, I do. I've heard that before, um, and I don't buy it. And here's why: because the job of a songwriter is to take a perspective sure. that may or may not be alien to that songwriter. Um, I I don't understand why people will get on Springsteen for it when no one is, you know, no one says, "Oh, Dave Mustaine's not a sociologist," and yet Megadeth sings songs about fucking. Uh, the deficit. Like, sure. what right does he have? He he's cool. you know like yeah, yeah. any pick any songwriter. Uh, I I go to Megadeth because the person I heard that from the most that's his favorite band. Oh and really? I that's as funny. much as I like Dave Mustaine, he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. He's that's just really writing funny. songs from an imaginative perspective because that's what songwriters do. You know, um, I mean, really, name an artist. I'm sure there's at least some. Some amount of dramatic license in this sure. song. Sure, and that's a really that's a really good way to to answer that. Um, oh, AC <laughs> not over my glass. It's okay. It was empty. Um, the only artist that I can think of uh, that I know this guy likes who made that point is um, the Mountain Goats. So I don't know mm-hmm. if there would be like a counter for that. Well, I mean, there, there isn't, there isn't. I feel like John Darnell is a really interesting example because he's an artist where, like, one of, maybe the only one I can think of, definitely the biggest example where, like, I don't think the songs matter. I can just listen to John Darnell sing anything and it resonates with me. Yeah, and- I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. I, I'm not a huge, um, I don't have a huge knowledge base there, but what I've listened to even if I don't have a personal connection to the story, it's so good, and he's such a passionate artist that you can get into it pretty immediately. Uh, even even if you know some of his song content is really sad. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I, I don't think a lot of it resonates as personally, you know, in the literal sense. But I, I think that's a really good point. And I mean, it helps that he has hundreds and hundreds of songs where. 
I mean, only a few are really standouts. It, um, I feel like a Mountain Goats concert is more like a poetry reading where you don't necessarily know what you're going to get, but oh, it's still going to be cool. Interesting. Uh, I don't know enough about John Darnell's life to speculate no, on he, dramatic license, right. but yeah, 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 yeah. like he has a song called The Best Ever Death Metal Band in Denton. In fact, he has a whole album uh, of characters of songs about characters from West Texas. Uh, I don't believe he's ever lived in Texas. So, I mean, right there, like... So if you were a Texan, it would be like, oh, this... uh, He's from, I think, Vincennes, Indiana? Okay. Uh, Moved to SoCal. Um, But yeah, I don't think if you were in Texas, you'd be like, oh, this guy never lived in Texas. Right. I mean, maybe he would, and maybe that's valid. But I just expect my artists to lie. You give them permission. (laughs) That's cool. I like that as as a stance... I think that's uh, I think that's a good way to um, take in music, um, and it's funny to think about the amount of artists that you know flirt with that line one way or the other. AC. My dog's gonna wreck this podcast. If it weren't already wrecked before. Oh, uh, you're trouble. Um, that's cool. Uh, do you have any other? Standout? Do you have a standout album? Yeah, um, I do. I, I'd have to say like, uh, as like what I think the best has got to be Born to Run. It's like front to back, pretty perfect. It starts with Thunder Road and ends with Jungle Land. I mean, it's it's the most important record. It's the one that has stood the test of time. It got a ten point oh from Pitchfork. Like that never happens. When it came out, or... No, I, Pitchfork didn't exist That's, in 1975. I didn't think so. <laughs> there, Mary Beth, there's no internet in 1975. It could have been a non-internet entity. <laughs> Rolling Stone existed in 1975. Yes, that's true. Pitchfork, I believe, was website only. I could be okay. wrong. Um, no, and when they did the 30th anniversary release in 05, Pitchfork gave it a 10. Gotcha. Uh, but as far as personal favorites, it might be The River, it might be Darkness on the that's Edge of Town. That's a Garth Brooks song. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know a dream is like a river, ever changing as it flows. Yeah, that's the whole album. It's 80 minutes of that. (laughs) I could go on, but I'll I'll spare you. Uh Uh, Especially because it's not pertinent at all, all, except for having the same title, and it's a very generic (laughs) title. (laughs) No one's ever thought to call the song River before. Uh, you could also talk about River of Dreams. Yep, which is a great song. I love Billy Joel, too. So do I. Nice. Uh, I probably know more Billy Joel than Bruce Springsteen. I hope that's not something that, like, offends you. Did you know they performed together at the, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 25th anniversary concert? Oh, really? They did. I, one of the first times I think they ever shared the stage because critics like to position them as enemies somehow like Long Island versus Jersey oh. and Bruce had this whole intro about how Continental Drift has brought Long Island and, and the Jersey Shore together for one night that's only that's really funny it was cool it was a yeah good show you also I remember you posted recently uh, was it Bruce Springsteen and U2 yeah that was from the same concert that's, did. that's what I figured yeah. that was one of the reasons I brought it up yeah, they did still haven't found what I'm looking for, which I'm not a big U2 guy, but I love that song I know and the you're performance not, of but... it. I believe, and the king don't call, and don't 
my favorite stadium concert that I've ever been to. Soldier Field, 360, 2011-ish. Nice. Uh, it was amazing. Bono's such a showman. I really like you two. Uh, honestly, probably for a, a lot of similar reasons that you like Springsteen. Probably so. <laughs> and in a similar sense of, like, I had heard a lot of you two and was like, I can see why people like this and why it's important, uh, and, and, at, but didn't really have much connection to it until I was in college. Um, and I had a friend who, uh, I kind of looked up to as a mentor, and he was a huge U2 guy, and he compared me once to the drummer, uh, because he said that, uh, there, there was a quote, I think it, it was either a Bono quote or an Edge quote, uh, where, um, is Cullen the drummer? I said, I'm not big, I'm, I'm not, not big enough sure. Okay. Uh, anyway, he, it, it was like, the quote was something to the effect of, like, yeah, he's back there kicking my arse, so I gotta really step up my game. I was just referring to, like, the drummer was fucking jamming so hard that, like, he, I think it was, I think it was The Edge, actually, said that, like, he felt like he had to play better because the drummer was, um, killing it. And the guy who was telling me this was the lead in the show that we were doing together at the time, and he said he felt like I was kicking his ass as a supporting character. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, it was, like, a super high compliment, and it was, like, Enough that I was like, hey, maybe I need to check out these YouTube guys. <laughs> maybe I need to give them another look. And it was kind of the rest is history uh, from there. Yeah, as I get older, I, I find I have more of an ear for them. I actually just bought their greatest hits because it was five bucks on Amazon. Normally, I don't like to start with greatest hits, but five bucks. Yeah. Um, I also, like, everyone's so I'm like, man, I could really listen to a Coldplay song. And then I have to stop myself and be like, nope, not a oh. soccer mom. <laughs> Coldplay, I don't think we'll ever, I don't think I'm ever going to like them. Please don't. Stay, stay young forever. <laughs> and it will all always be yellow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. The last question that I typically ask uh, is, how do you feel like your um, love for and knowledge base of and uh, interest in, etc. Bruce Springsteen and his music, um, and his performance, uh, because we talked about that a pretty good bit too, has affected you, um, main, namely artistically, but also, uh, uh, in life, in general? Um, artistically is tough. I don't know that I've taken a lot of artistic lessons from Springsteen, except to always give it all. Like, that seems like an obvious thing to say. But, no, I don't um, think it is. You know, if, you, if you've seen one of his shows, you know that he leaves it all on stage. Like, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Um, I, I just saw this documentary, uh, Springsteen and Me, where a bunch of people told stories about their experiences with the boss, and the, they interviewed this, like, one eight-year-old girl, and her quote was like, I like Bruce Springsteen because when he sings... He looks like he's in pain, and he's trying harder than everybody else. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's right. Like, it's that's so great. It's a hundred percent, man. You know, like you gotta. Oh, and also, like, just to be able to read the crowd, like, it's important to uh, to feel a room, and 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 I mean, that's such an improv skill, I guess. Yeah. But, 
which I don't improvise at all, but to, to feel what people might want next and to do it. Like, his sets change on a fly yeah. uh, just because he thinks it's the right move for the, the room, and yeah. I, I think that's awesome. That's really awesome. I think that's a great answer. I don't think that's but obvious at all. How has it affected my life? Uh, that's... I kind of have two things in my life that have replaced religion for the better. Uh, Bruce Springsteen mm. and Grant Morrison, the comic book writer. Uh, that is, is evident. Your love of Grant Morrison yes. is evidenced by the Grant Morrison poster on the wall behind us. And, and, and also there. the one next to your bed. Correct. And Also my desktop background, if it was on okay. right now, you'd see, you'd see Grant. <laughs> just wanted, you know, just painting a picture while yeah. you're talking. Um... And we gotta get you a Bruce poster. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that might scare scare the ladies. <laughs> like the the Grant stuff is a little more subdued. I think Bruce's images are, might be more overtly sexual. <laughs> then again, the, the one of the Grant posters has Batman on it, so you know, <laughs> take it for what you will. Um, <laughs> what they've done is like it's it's almost like the secular humanism. But with a, a spiritual edge, uh, huh. j- just like there is something bigger out there, and it's inside of you. Like we, the to me, the magic of Springsteen's music is elevating the mundane to the epic. You know, you listen to a song like Jungle Land, and it's it's about a very simple scene. instrumentation it's it's like it's like street fighting ballet I think one critic described it as it's it's just beautiful and massive and epic and I feel like that's a great lesson to take away is that like everything we do if we view it on that scale we can be the heroes of our own narrative that is amazing uh there were at least three phrases in the last (laughs) few sentences that you said uh, where I was like, yeah, of course you could write um, uh, scholarly papers based on these thoughts. You know. Uh, yeah, the this um, secular humanism idea, uh, the making the mundane into the epic. I think that's a huge theme um, of Springsteen. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, that's obviously something that you've thought about in the past. It is. It is, it is. Here, I, uh, I'm i going to dovetail this with, and pardon me, I'm shuffling through some comics to find what I consider to be, like, the quote uh, that really kind of sums it all up for me. This is from a book Morrison wrote called All-Star Superman, although it's not a Morrison quote, it's just the context that he gives it. I don't know if you could hear it on the podcast, but Eric had to take that out of a plastic sleeve. Of course. Because I, he takes care I of his things. Take, we take care of our own, man. Uh, Me, not I. <laughs> exactly. Following the Springsteen evolution. So this is, uh, I'll, I'll get just a little bit into Morrison. This is from All-Star Superman number 10. The plot of this whole series is 
Uh, you might have seen the movie on Netflix. Superman is dying, and he has 12 labors he has to complete before he basically kicks the bucket. And in this, this particular labor is he's trying to find out if Earth can survive without him. So he makes a, an infant universe without a Superman. And, and on it, in it there's an Earth, and he wants to see what Earth would be like without an actual superhero. And so this issue intersperses Superman's story with your cutting through time on this this new earth that he made and here you're in the middle ages and this is from the actual philosopher Italian philosopher Pico della Mirandola I think his name is and he says let us not yield sovereignty even to them the highest of the angelic hierarchies become instead like them in all their glory and dignity imitation is man's nature and if he but wills it so shall he surpass even imagination's greatest paragons meaning that if we can imagine it we become like gods, and that is what Springsteen and Morrison have taught me. That is awesome. Uh, I don't, I don't even know how to follow that because I think it's so cool that you have such a clear uh, idea and um, and emotion um, surrounding uh, your love of Springsteen and his importance to you, which is, you know, I know the largest reason that you chose to talk about Springsteen. Correct. Um, and I really appreciate that. Uh, this has been a great episode. Uh, I am going to wrap it up as I scratch AC's pumpkin head um, before she attempts to sabotage the podcast again. Um, at the end of every episode, I say the same thing, and that is, I love you and I mean that. Aww. production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.